podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Celtic state of mind, it's 12.30, which means that we are live as we are every single weekday, Monday to Friday, 12.30, it's the Axon Bulletin, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by James McKenzie. We're going to be talking, James, about all things Celtic. We are in the midst of a transfer window um, and good reports, credible reports have emerged over the last 24 hours in relation to our intentions within that window and I say that because when it comes to transfer window season. It can be silly season, James. We try to cover as much credible information as possible, but if you covered every target, you could probably spend every day talking about potential targets. And, uh, you know, these rumours are are kind of like cooked up by agents and uh, media outlets trying to get clicks, etc., etc. But in the last 24 hours, we've got some information and it's positive, surely. Yeah, I think we all know how reliable Stephen McGowan is. He's been probably as far as Celtic goes, the most reliable journalist for information on Celtic throughout the entire process, getting Ange Coglu, and then throughout the what two-week process before Brendan Rodgers was officially announced, he was there every step of the way. And as long with, along with signings as well, he's always been bang on. It's usually easy to sort of sniff out if a sort of transfer story is rubbish or not. Like Ange goes to Spurs, all of a sudden Kyogo, Carter Vickers, Jota Hattati, James McCarthy, Albina Yeti are all linked with Spurs. Every single Celtic player under the sun is getting linked over there. Jota goes to Saudi. Rio Hattati is now getting linked. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite easy to sniff out when a transfer story is true or not. And we've had a lot of them come up. We've had one player named, I think it's Luis Palma is his name. He's playing over in the Greek League on June. I, I knew I was familiar with the name. He was like the Rangers early on the window, actually. It's their Ryan Kent replacement. I think they opted to go for Sima from Brighton on loan. But he seems to have a good goals to game record over there. He could be a player that could fit in, in a problem area in the Celtic squad. Fans have been crying out for more options in the wings. There's a couple mm. more positions as well that have been earmarked in that Steve McGowan article that I'm sure we'll get onto later on in the show. I've been talking about those positions for ages on Axon. They've been earmarked as positions we have to improve for so long and maybe we'll finally do it. Yeah, you're right. And you know this, James. Um, Every nuance of Celtic is discussed on a Celtic state of mind, be that a new jersey, a new signing, how well, how bad we've performed, the change in management, everything will be discussed on this show at some point. And I guess what happens is um, you tend to give your opinion based on what you're seeing every single day, obviously. But we've all had views on what we should be bringing into the club uh, the quality of signing that we need to bring into the club, the amount of players we should be bringing in. But what I'm going to say is, and we're going to get onto some of the other points that you've covered in more detail on the blog as well. But what I will say is the reports have come in from Steve McGowan. They have been followed up by Anthony Joseph, two guys who I think are more than credible sources and very, very good guys as well. I've got to say, with every deal I've ever had with them, they are saying that Celtic are still bringing in from now till the winter 
window shuts, three or four new players. Now, let's say we get the four, right? And we'll talk about individual numbers and uh, positions, etc. If we get the four, James, that means that we have signed 10 players in a transfer window. Now, see when Brennan just came in, did you see it as a rebuild? He's inherited a treble win inside and by the end of window number one, we've signed 10 players. Does that surprise you a wee bit? Oh, I didn't expect Jota to go to Saudi Arabia for, what was it, 29 million euros, 25 million pounds. I didn't expect, I didn't expect Starfelt to move over to the Spanish league. These were a couple of players that we thought would have had a, f- a few more years at Celtic. I mean, we only permanently signed Jota last summer. He's technically only really been a Celtic-owned player for about a year. And I usually think if Celtic are going to pay six million, you can probably get about two or three years out of the player before they move on. We've seen that with a lot of uh, signings I've left for Bigman over recent years. Van Dyke was here for about two or three seasons before he eventually moved on. But when money like that comes in, you can't not turn it down. And I think a lot of people have been assuming that that £25 million is going to go straight into the transfer budget. And it's not football manager, it's not career mode on FIFA. There's a lot more things that Celtic need to consider with that £25 million. Can't forget there was a pandemic about two years, two or three years ago, which had a massive financial hit in the club. So that would lead to a bit less activity. But it seems like we're going to be spending the money. We've got 11, is that 11 days left of the window? Or 10 days now, maybe? We've not got long is the point I'm trying to make to try and get all these signings done. And you would hope Celtic would have had been looking, if these positions were problem areas, you would hope Celtic would have been looking at players for these positions from the very start of the window. We know that mm-hmm. Ange would plan two to three windows ahead. So you'd hope that Celtic would have targets there already lined up, so there's no need to really rush things. And I hope we can get a few a few of these positions um, locked in and done by the end of the transfer window. You think back to that time whereby there was a recruitment meeting and the minutes of that meeting ended up in a bin somewhere in Lennox Town. They were they were uh, pulled out of that bin, photographed, and within seconds, everybody knew who Celtic were looking at, discussing who was at the meeting, etc. I can't but remember if you... my mind is completely going blank as far as that recruitment sheet goes, but I have a feeling Rhys James, who has won the Champions League with Chelsea and is an England international now, he was on that list when he was on loan at Wigan. I might be talking absolute rubbish, but I seem to remember Rhys James being on that. I think Joe Aribo when he was at Charlton, was on that, that was. list as well. Yeah. So was no, I. He, he was. Yeah, he was. Um, we did an article on it on Axel. I'd need to dig it out. But I, I do remember Scott McTominay was on it as well, actually. Um, but see, when you looked at that sheet, it gave you the uh, idea that obviously for every position we had long lists and short lists of players from all over the globe. You know, Ange Postacoglu came into the club and then we widened our horizons into other markets that we hadn't tapped into. Certainly the Japanese market, we hadn't looked at that since uh, Nakamura and Kukai Mizuno had been at the club. And I always say that, I use that as a bit of a criticism actually because I felt, you know, that during that period, James Celtic could have had some, you know, world-class players, but we didn't tap 
back into the market after the two that I mentioned left the club until, of course, Kyogo came in. And then there was an influx of Japanese players, uh, most of whom have done pretty well, and I'm sure a few of them will be mentioned in today's uh, bulletin. But yeah, you're right, there, there's going to be a group of goalies, there's going to be a group of left-backs that you know we are looking at, we've scouted, we have all the data, and then it's a case of, of a number of different moving parts at that stage. Do they fit into the system? Are they of the right character? Everything has to be considered before we actually spend some of this money that we know that we have. And obviously we have been speaking uh, over the last couple of weeks about the fact that uh, when a club sells a player for such a lofty fee, then you know any kind of business they do will be affected, sometimes adversely, because you could have, let's say that we've always been in the mix for these four players that we're trying to close down on. The reason that we've not signed them, James, might be that the club's you know, accumulatively over the four players and maybe asking for an extra 10 million quid because they know we've got money in the bank. So a 5 million player comes becomes an 8 million player. I mean, that that is just football. That's normal, isn't it? And it could be that, you know, it whittles it down. It's not been inactivity by Celtic. It's just made our job a wee bit harder. Yeah, and that's what happens when you leave your work to later in the window as well. Cubs start to get word that Celtic are desperate for a goalkeeper. Celtic are desperate for a left-back. You saw that Manchester United a few years ago. They panicked until the end of the transfer window and paid £80 million for Harry Maguire because he was the only real centre-back they could go for. And teams, they will be aware that Celtic have just had big money for Jota. They've been in the Champions League the last sort of few years. There is money to try and rinse out of Celtic and they, they'll be trying to push us for every single penny they can because even across football apart from the Premier League and the Saudi League there's not really much money in football either so every team will be trying to rinse every single penny they can out of any club that comes in for their star players because they need to start recognising the value that are in our players there's, I've seen time and time again over the years in Scotland there was players that we could have got far more money from but because it's a Scottish league, we don't get the money. We could have got far more than £25 million for Kieran Tierney. Um, even Virgil van Dijk, we could have got far more for him. I don't think he improved that much at Southampton when he left Celtic. He was still the same quality of player that we knew he was. But teams will be trying to rinse us for as much cash as they possibly can. And I don't know if leaving things late will perhaps come back to bite us. The Van Dyke one's the one that I always go back to because yeah, it seems obvious, you know, when you look at what he went on to do, James, with Liverpool and the transfer fee involved there, etc. But it was obvious to us the Celtic fans watching him. And and um yeah, I know we did get another eight million on top, I think, of the twelve. So we eventually did get twenty million with the with the kind of add-ons and all that kind of stuff. But you're right, we're in that situation. And by the way, if if we do bring in three or four, we'll get into the the nuts and bolts of who we should be bringing in which uh, positions that we should be filling. Uh, the big name, of course, and I'm going to bring it up here because Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. I see what you did there. Uh, Lewis Palmer is one I know of. That's in response to Paddy asking. Paddy Lavery, that is. Uh, lovely photo, Paddy. Congratulations again on the birth of your first grandchild. I think it's your first grandchild, but I hope everybody is healthy uh, in the family and enjoying the arrival. Uh, any news on who the new signings are? Well, we have had one name and um, we'll talk about him in a wee bit more detail uh, as well. So it's Lewis Palmer, as you say, he may be familiar by name because he was in the headlines in Scottish media earlier on in the in the window. He's 23 years of age, left winger 
I was just looking at that. A lot of the players we bring in, James, you know, uh, adaptable and versatile in so far as they can play a number of positions. And I know the Japanese players have got that in abundance. Um, left winger, it seems to be, is his position, his chosen position. Um, and as you said earlier on, he's playing his football in Greece for Aris Salonica. Um, he's a Honduran international. And, you know, this would put to bed a couple of things. It's a three and a half million pound fee that has been quoted, James. Um, I think the reported fee was slightly lower, actually, when there was interest from Rangers earlier in the window. And and I guess that when you're looking about some of the, the targets that we've seen their names arise over the last few weeks, Daniel Podence was one that I like to look of, uh, Wolves, but then you're looking at how do you make that work? Because it's not just the transfer fee, is it? when you're bringing a player in from Wolves. The other one being <clears throat> Ryan Fraser, obviously. There's uh, an unworkable situation there between him and Eddie Howe at Newcastle. He was linked. And what followed those links, so James, were comments from Brendan Rodgers, who knows that market better than anybody else at Celtic. And he was talking about how difficult it is to do a deal uh, involving a player from the EPL. <clears throat> Lo and behold, it looks as though we're looking elsewhere. Um is this Jota's replacement? Is this actually Jota's replacement in your eyes? It's probably the closest thing we'll get to it. As we've mentioned time and time again on the show, um, Celtic can't replace Jota. Celtic can't go out and spend £20 million on a player. But what we can do is buy a player who could potentially become as good or better than Jota. That's the way Celtic's functioned for years now. And Luis Palma could be the latest player to add to that list of players that Celtic will buy in and sell in a few years for far more money. I don't think he's playing for one of the better sides in the Greek League. I'm not too familiar with, what was the team? Is it Aris Salonica that he's playing yeah. for? Mm-hmm. I'm not too familiar with them, but I've seen his goals to game ratio, his goal contribution to game ratio, and it, it looks pretty good for a team that's one of the lesser sides in the league. It, it doesn't look too bad. Daniel Pudence obviously would have been the preferred sign for everybody given that he's been playing at a higher level and things like that. He would have been playing the Champions League for Olympiacos, I'm certain of that. But the wages are always going to be a stumbling block when you're shopping in the Premier League. I think you see far more of these players of a similar profile in the Premier League going to leagues like Turkey or going to leagues like Saudi Arabia or some of these leagues outside of Europe that have far more money than some of the leagues inside it just because that's where they can afford the wages. The players has had the inflated Premier League wages. Now they need to keep chasing that cash. And they, sadly, we can't give them that Celtic, I'm afraid. So that's pricing us out. I wanted us to shop in the Premier League in some of these sort of lower clubs. I uh, said when Brendan first came in, I thought he was going to do that because that's the market that he mm. knows best. But the market that Celtic know best and the market that Mark Law knows best is all of these more shrewd markets. And that's where you're going to get the better deals, that's where Celtic's biggest sales have come from, some of these markets that you wouldn't expect. Celtic haven't bought a player from the Premier League and then sold them in a few years for loads loads more money. It's impossible to do, so it seems like we're reverting back to old ways, but that's not always a bad thing. The old ways have served Celtic time and time again. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy 
happy price. Got your happy price, price line. No, they have. And <clears throat> I've got to admit, right, and I've said this uh, many, many times on Axon, my sole focus when it comes to football is Celtic and therefore it's Scottish football. You do your research on teams that you might face in Europe. You do your research on players that you're linked with and you become familiar with uh, those individuals. But I'm not a massive follower. I seen you yesterday. You were watching. Who? What were you watching? What league were you watching yesterday, James? You were tuning in online to some... Yeah, was it, it was, League One? It was the Bundesliga. I Bundesliga, Bundesliga, right. Right, so you're watching the Bundesliga. I know people are into the Spanish football and uh, David Slate, uh, who is a contributor uh, to Axom from time to time, he loves his German football, he loves his French football. Loads of people love their English football. I'm not so keen, and I don't know if it's because I don't have the time, actually, because back in the day, you know, reading World Soccer and uh, all the football mags, I had a much better knowledge of different, um, leagues around Europe, certainly not not so much the world, but Europe, and that's not where I am. But um, I think that maybe there was a time where there was maybe a situation where familiarity of a player made me more confident in the signing. So if if you did sign someone that's from the case nowadays, yeah, I think if there's if I've heard of a player instantly, the excitement levels go up. I've mentioned loads in the podcast. A certain buzzwords he hit would be, oh, he's a young. Argentinian player, a young player from the Brazilian league, you instantly get more excited. And mm-hmm. there's a reason I'd be more excited about um, a Portuguese Wolves player who's played in the Champions League coming to Celtic than I would a Honduran winger from the Greek league. But yeah, we 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 don't we're not really going to find out about the true quality of these players until we see them in a Celtic shirt. Exactly. I mean. How many of us knew about Emilio Izaguirre? I'm talking version one, who was sensational until he broke his ankle, or even Virgil van Dijk, Victor Wanyama. Did Wanyama. we know about these players? I don't think so. So, you know, I'm now of the view, I'm, I'm quite relaxed about it, and I think that you've got to look at the recruitment uh, record, certainly in the last couple of years, and focus on that and think, well, it's the same people, you know, identifying these players. It's a different manager who's rubber stamping them, of course, but as I've said before, I'm a massive fan of Brennan Rodgers. I think he is a very good judge of a player, and coach of a player so I think yesterday's uh, news was very positive if we do a deal for Lewis Palmer then I trust that he has been through that same funnel um, when it comes to recruitment of quality and I'm looking forward to hopefully some of these players falling into place but I also want to talk about some of the positions so there's the left winger and quite a while back, I said I wanted a, a goal. This was a, this was prior to us signing the two centre-halves because I wanted, obviously, a centre-half. But I wanted a goalkeeper, a left-back, a left-winger. Um, and I also have mentioned a centre-forward, but I said that was kind of like on a wish list. That was a desirable rather than a necessity. And then in recent times, I've been watching the midfield. I'm thinking, do we need something in there? a wee bit more physicality in the midfield. So if we were to go out and get three or four, and as Anthony Joseph has said, it will be a goalkeeper, left-back, left-winger, centre-forward, I think I'd be pretty happy with that. You disagree with the centre-forward, and we'll come to that, but you know the left-back, James? I was thinking about this yesterday. Brendan Rodgers was very coy the last time I watched him in a pre-match press conference where obviously there's journalists going in there 
And they themselves want to get a headline. Of course they do. And sometimes their editors are maybe saying, right, I want you to ask this question. And I get the sense that sometimes they're, they're kind of forced to ask a specific question because by question five, when it's already been asked in question one, when a journalist is asking the same question again later on in the same conference, you're thinking, you've been told to ask that no matter what. And and he was very coy about signings. But one signing, correct me if I'm wrong and, and there's been others, but one signing that he has spoken about specifically during this transfer window is Kieran Tierney. Now, I'm not, I'm not bringing him up to talk about the possibility of signing him. I'm bringing him up, James, because I'm going to ask the question, how does that affect Greg Taylor? Now, Greg Taylor has been... You know, he's been praised to the hill over the last couple of seasons because of his performances. But on in the pre-season performances in the first three domestic games this season, there's been criticism going Greg's way, right? From Axom, I've seen loads worse on social media. You try to do it as balanced as you possibly can. You start to look for solutions. Is Maeda no longer doing the defensive work? Is that affecting him? Can he play a traditional fullback? Is that affecting him? You look at all these different solutions to it. But one thing that just kind of dawned on me yesterday was Brendan Rodgers, the manager of Greg Taylor, has actively discussed a replacement for Greg Taylor. What um, he said about Tierney, there's an exact quotes on it. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's exact quotes where he is responding to a question about Kieran Tierney. Um, he and he doesn't write it off. That, I think, though, I think just based on how ludicrous the transfer rumour of Kiantini coming back to Celtic actually is, at least in my eyes, I think Brendan Rodgers would have seen that as a sort of safe question to ask. It would be like a journalist asking him, well, Lionel Messi's on the market, Brendan. I, I doubt Lionel Abada's going to be quaking in his boots at the thought of Lionel Messi coming in and taking his spot. I think it wouldn't really be too much of a slight on Greg Taylor. More of a slight on Greg Taylor would have been the news that has come out today that Celtic could be in the market for a fullback. You know my thoughts on the fullback position. I don't. I think Taylor, he, he can improve. He can improve. We know the quality player he is. We've seen that he can be a consistent player. And we can't forget Celtic signed him as a traditional fullback in the first place. They signed him f- from Kamara to play just that role. But we swiftly discovered that he didn't really look like Celtic quality for the first sort of year and a bit. I'm still holding out hopes for Bernabe. I can't. I can't. I can't back it down now after I've backed him to the hills. I still think he should start on Saturday, in my opinion. But I don't think you can read too much into those Brendan Rodgers quotes. Well, I don't expect us to sign Kieran Tierney. I, I don't, and I don't think we should, and I'll tell you why. Because it would be short-termism, um, and we had a habit of doing things like that in the loan market when Brendan was here first time round, and I, I don't think it fared us too well. Yes, we did get Edward out of it, but there was many others that we didn't. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a sticky plaster on a situation, James. And I, I don't like that for Celtic. I think we should have, and we do have, um, a much more medium to long-term strategy whereby you bring in a loan player to buy. And we did it with Maeda. We did it with Iwata, Carter Vickers and Jota. And it's worked, I think, largely uh, to our advantage. So I, I was considering Greg Taylor. Obviously, like you say, that's been solidified by the fact that left back has been mentioned by both 
Um, was it mentioned by McGowan? It was definitely mentioned by Anthony Joseph in relation to our specific targets. And we will be talking about it. You've already mentioned St. Johnson. There's a few things I want to talk about uh, that you've written about on on the blog, uh, axrom.net. Get it looked at. It's uh, something that's very active at the moment. And uh, James, a lot of the work on there is coming from James. We've also had contribu- contributions rather from Laura Bradburn, uh, Kevin Graham, Kevin McCluskey, and myself over the last few weeks. Um, it normally takes me about three or four weeks to write a single blog entry. So when it comes, it's normally about an obscure footballer from the 1980s that played a few games for Celtic, whereas James is writing about the here and now. And one of the things that I found pretty interesting that you were writing about is um, curveballs and some curveballs that Rodgers could throw at this situation. Um, I mean, I think it's safe to say that after the Kilmarnock game, James, he's under a wee bit of pressure as Brendan Rodgers going into this St. Johnson game. I don't have concerns about the game, I've got to say. I mean, I spoke about my concerns about the Kilmarnock game leading into it. Um, I didn't try and hex the game. I just seen that there was a there was an accumulation of circumstances that could work against us and transpire against us. I didn't expect us to be on the end of a few really bad uh, refereeing decisions. That sounds bizarre, me saying that. Maybe I should have expected that as well. Uh, but we lost the game. I'm not expecting that. What curveballs, though, do you think could be thrown by Brendan Rodgers against St. Johnson? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things that I noted down on my blog, axom.net. We should check it out if we're in the chat. Um, Tomoki Iwata was a player that he could go one of two positions. Um, the most likely would be at centre-back. However, I think... Out of all the centre backs that are in Rogers' real consideration, um, Gustav Lagerbielk is the only one that is fit currently. There's some social media rumours going about about the length of Carter Vickers' injury, which mm. we'll be worrying about people, but we'll wait for a bit more concrete stories to come out on Carter Vickers. But I feel like Tomoki Iwata could fill in at centre back quite well. He was a solid option at centre back last season and there's no better game to take a risk by playing him at centre-back than against St. Johnson. They're probably, based on form, one of the worst teams in the league. They were shocking in the Viaplay Cup group stages. I think still in Albion beat them 4-0 at McDermott Park. So they're not exactly the most impressive of teams so you can take some risks in this game. And I think it would be a similar dynamic to what you had with Carter Vickers and Starfield. Carter Vickers wasn't the tallest of centre-backs, which is why you have the tower and aerial threat next to him in Starfield. And in this situation, you would have the solid man-to-man defender in Iwata next to the tower and aerial threat and Gustav mm-hmm. Lager being six foot three. So I think Iwata, people say it's not his natural position as well, but he's played there for the majority of his career. He's played there far more. He's probably played more games, more than double the games at centre-back than he has at defensive midfield. But you could even play him as a defensive midfielder as well with Hattati out injured and Turnbull having that poor performance at Aberdeen. I think Brendan Rodgers will be spending a lot of time thinking about his midfield and what he could do with that. And what I would bring a bit more steel into the midfield, one of the problems has been that the midfield has been bypassed far too many times <laughs> over the last few fixtures. And I don't, I don't think we're going to have our backs against the wall too many times against Johnson. But just in the case of that occasion arising, having Iwa as an option there, would just help shore things up and help relieve the workload that's been on Cal McGregor in recent games as well because he's been looking a bit stressed, he's been looking a bit hurried and hassled because of he's been man-marked, he's been targeted himself. 
Um, another thing Rogers could do, I'll go away from Tomoki, what are games like this where we had a conversation about this the other day, um, where it seems like the club's in a bit of an injury crisis. Usually the onus would be on some of the younger players to step mm-hmm. up, which is why I'm always so conscious about having a squad that's too bloated because I always want the younger players in the Celtic Academy to get a chance because what's the point in the academy being there if no one's going to get an opportunity if when there's three or four centre-backs out and you don't give someone for the B team a chance it's, it's not really looking too good and I think maybe someone like Vata coming in the attack could um, help provide a bit of a spark in the Celtic team he has been sort of on the verges of coming into the first team for years now but the opportunities just haven't Came people tend to sort of try and explain it by saying every single game at Celtics must win. We can't afford to rotate. We can't afford to take chances. There is games where we can afford to take chances when you come up against the lesser teams in the Scottish Cup or some of the lesser teams in the league towards the tail end of the season. You can give younger players a chance then. And some of the best Celtic players, we covered it um, on one of the blogs that have popped up in the last sort of few years have been because of injuries. Kian Tierney got his first Celtic opportunity because of an injury and Ronnie Dyla decided to take a chance on him because he impressed when he was training with the first team. So he could give a couple of the young players a chance in the team as well and a final curveball that you could throw. I basically read out my article from start to finish, but you could go, as you could switch back to the inverted fullbacks. As I mentioned, if you're not going to play Iwata and alongside McGregor in the midfield to provide that steal, then perhaps going back to the inverted fullback system could be the way to do that. There's been a lot of times where McGregor's assumed he's had more time on the ball than he's actually had when mm-hmm. he's been on the ball in the midfield. And I think that's because he's instinctively thinking that Taylor and the right back are going to be there alongside him to provide the cover and to provide an option to pass. That's why his passing has been a bit more slack. That's why he's been getting pickpocketed quite a bit more. So I don't know if Brendan Rodgers would do that. I think he wants to implement his own style, but he has been prone to do it in the first place. He's done it at Leicester. I think he did it at Liverpool as well on certain occasions. So it's not that far out of the realms of possibility for Brendan Rodgers to try and switch things up like that. But he'll be looking to implement his own style. The main worry would be that you could potentially break up the rhythm that the safety team is trying to form at the moment. But that's just a couple of things that you could go for. Iwata, perhaps giving a young player a chance as well. Right, I'm going to go through them individually and hopefully we'll get some comments on it. Um, does Iwata come back into the Celtic side? Um, it's true what you say, he's played more games in his career at centre-half than he has done in the midfield. I base my view on him simply by watching what he's done for Celtic and he, he looked a far better midfielder than he did a, a defender, either in the centre or at right-back, for me, for sure. Uh, so if he was to come back in, I would be playing him uh, as a kind of number six, a, a, a defensive midfield player, which would maybe give uh, Callum a wee bit more license. In relation to Vata, I have said before, I think that there was a brilliant opportunity during the nine in a row um, whereby there was many, many games during that period, every season. Um, and I know that there was a couple of tight seasons. There was a season, obviously, in Rory Dyla's second term where Aberdeen weren't a million miles off us. But there's so many games, and you think at home, particularly James, where if you've got two or three um, or even one young player on the bench and you start to bleed them in in these games. So they're not just getting a game on the last day of the season or two or three games before the end of the season. They're actually playing 
when we need to win games, but against opposition, James, that you would expect us to have enough quality to, to win the game. And there's a lot of them at home, let's be honest, and it doesn't have to happen at the kind of tail end uh, of the campaign. So I, I think we failed massively when it came to developing the youth during that period. Um, and what we've got now is a situation where there's been a few guys really come to the fore. Uh, we've loaned out three of them actually, who who had been in and around the first-team squad over the pre-season. But one who hasn't gone out is Rocco Vata. There's been loads spoken about in relation to um, him and obviously him changing agencies with regards to his you know, future and, and other teams who are in, you know, interested in Torino, maybe taking him away and all this kind of stuff. What you need to show a player like that, I think, is that there is a pathway to the first team. Um, and as a, a young 18-year-old who is blessed with huge potential at this stage of his career, he must look at the situation at Celtic and think, right, I can play right wing. We've lost Jota. The club have brought in two right wingers um, who, you know, are young, early 20s from Australia and South Korea. That They've brought these players in. So where does my future lie? You know, because they need to wait another two years, James, before I get a sniff by which time I'm 20. And a lot of these players we are bringing in have got 100 games under their belt, plus and they're in their early 20s. So why not develop our player from 17 to 21 rather than not developing them, losing them to any number of clubs and then buying somebody else's player who has been developed by the Australian club or the South Korea. So you've sold me on Vata. I would have him in the squad 100%. I think he scored something like six goals in five games for the B team this season. I think the fact that someone like Ronnie Dyla at Club Bruges is interested in him as well. We know Ronnie Dyla had an eye for a young player, he tried to sign a certain Merlin Haaland when he was Celtic manager. So, Ronnie Dyler's got sort of a good eye for a young player. Well, James, not only did you inform me or remind me of that, you also showed me Haaland's um, take on rap, and he done a rap song which is available to view on YouTube. Check it out or don't, That's actually. Ronnie Dyler, first song. Yeah, if you have any respect for the player, don't check it out, actually. It's terrible. But Jungle Lion, you're in, and I'm bringing you up because you're sunning yourself in Spain. Realistic if these three or four players come in next week. It'll take a few weeks to bed them in, uh, but we need them for the third. Absolutely, we do. <laughs> and I think uh, during today's show, we will go through each individual area of the park with a view to St. Johnson, but also with one eye on the game against Rangers on the 3rd of September uh, because... Yeah, we do have concerns, and a massive part of that is down to the, the injury concerns that we've got. What do you make of Awata? What do you make of Vata? And finally, the other point that James made was a return to the inverted fullbacks. Well, my Tuppen's worth is this. I've heard both sides of the argument. I've heard people saying, well, if a manager takes the job, um, it's not because he wants to manage like the previous uh, gaffer did. I think it's bigger than that, James. I think that what you do is you play to your strengths. You play to the strengths of the players. And when I'm looking at our full-backs at the moment, I think the strength is in playing them in an inverted role. I think that over a two-year period, we had mastered it. And um, it's now a case of being very obvious that Taylor going back to a different role is struggling to adapt to it. Um, Tony Ralston, for me, I think he is a better uh, traditional fullback than um, an inverted fullback, but he's not your first choice, is he? And we're obviously waiting on news of uh, Alistair Johnson's weekend, return. Alistair Should be Johnson. back this weekend. I even suggested, James, that he could maybe tuck in to the cent- central defensive area as well. Could Johnson- we need 90 minutes before the trip to Ibrox. 
next week. Are they 100%? You can't throw Aston Johnson fresh from an injury and straight away for that Rangers game. You've got to give him time to get minutes in the legs before that fixture. He, he did make his debut against them, did he? Did he not at Ibrox? Yeah, but he didn't play the World Cup. He's coming back from an injury, I think. If Rodgers is going to experiment, this is going to be the last chance to do it. Because after the Rangers game, you've got the Champions League coming up where things need to be settled. I think mm. if the fans are unsettled at the moment, there's no sort of doubt in that. But the, the way you try and put those doubts behind us is by putting up a top performance on Saturday. That's the, the philosophy at Celtic's always been to win. The mindset has always been to win. So when Celtic lose, there's always a massive uproar. And the best way to get rid of that uproar is by winning, and by winning well. So you've got to hope that Celtic will go out and sort of play to impress on Saturday. James, the day that we um, are not unhappy and fuming and having an uproar at a Celtic defeat is the day that I start to get worried. I think uh, there are certain... There, there are loads of facets and elements to what makes up a, a Celtic state of mind. And what I mean there is actually the state of mind. And one of that is the, you've got a very fixed idea uh, how Celtic should perform, how you know our players should conduct themselves and um, you know the standards that we set as a football club. And that comes right down to the style because you know there, there is an argument to suggest it's not just about winning, it's the, the manner in which you win as well, the style in which you win, um, entertaining the fans. That probably started with uh, Jockstein's management, even though I know that there were loads of entertaining players prior to the 1960s at Celtic. But it is part of that uh, state of mind that's ingrained in you. So when we get knocked out a cup or we, we lose a game, I, I totally expect a meltdown. If we didn't have a meltdown, if there was a shrug of the shoulders and, ah, it's all right, you know, we're all Celtic fans, win, lose, or draw. Yeah, we are. But it doesn't mean to say you've got to accept defeat lightly. You've got to look at the reasons for the defeat. Uh, and there are many. There are many, by the way. I, I know that Brendan Rodgers pointed out the quality of the pitch. Um, there has been many, many debates raging on since the game uh, around a few of the decisions made by the officials. James, and uh, I'll come back to that in just a, se a second because there was a, a comment on yesterday's video about that. And then, of course, there's the individual decision-making by the manager and the performances by the players. All of these things have to be discussed. But on this particular show, we do it in such a way where we're not just sitting here shouting about a player, criticising a player, throwing them under the bus. We're saying, right, this is happening. We can see it. Everybody can see this is happening. How do you solve that issue? So we're talking there about do we revert back to inverted fullbacks. How will it benefit the fullbacks? Well, it will benefit Greg Taylor's performances. It will benefit the midfield because it's obviously going to overload the midfield with bodies. It might benefit the performance of Callum McGregor as a result of that. And you know what? It might even benefit the, the wingers who are a pivotal link within the fullback position. A, a lot of the ball is played from left back to left wing, clearly. So, yeah, it, I think it's valid to criticise, uh, but in a balanced way. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And I don't think it always has to be deemed as being negative simply because, we, listen, we got beat against Kilmanic. Kilmanic were, you know, in relegation dogfight two seasons ago. You've got to some sort of changes from Rodgers. Absolutely. Do you remember the, what was the idea I brainstormed the other day? Kyogo's dropping deep, play him behind my AW, hanging a bad on the wings. It was a full football manager thing. I don't think it'll change things up that much, but 
you, you'd have to expect some sort of changes. This would be hundred percent because if there isn't any changes, the fans, so the immediate reaction when the team comes out will be uproar again. How is he starting so and so? Why is he starting so and so? No, you're right. And, and again, going into this game here against St. Johnson, it's a perfect opportunity, like you say, to try, if you're going to have to change anything, try it against St. Johnson, and then you're going in against uh, Rangers, having seen 90 minutes of whatever it is you're changing. I'm going to bring on as many comments as possible because there's so many talking points, and we'll actually work our way through the team in terms of uh, what we believe to be areas that are going to be um, improved on and strengthened, and also how we're going to line up against St. Johnson. What kind of changes would we make um, against St. Johnson as a visit Celtic Park? George, we went live at half 12 today, my friend. We always do. Sometimes it's uh, 12, 30 and 40 seconds, but we always go for the, the 12, 30. So I know you were really keen to get stuck in there uh, into the comment section. It's great to see you. If you want to comment on the show, uh, get yourself onto YouTube, subscribe to the channel, which is absolutely free of charge, even though you do have people like Andrew who want to throw in a few quid into the pot um, as well. And this is... Um, something that's an option for you if you want to and obviously we see that that happens and we thank you dearly for giving us um, a contribution to the, the Axom cause obviously to go out every single day and uh, run the shows and the blogs and everything else is something that takes up a lot of our time but we love every single moment of it. Liam Devine, we need a goalkeeper. We need other players and other positions and blah blah but when I say need and that's in capitals for those listening later on on the audio service. I mean, need a goalkeeper. I think Liam wants us to sign a goalie. And it's interesting, uh, James, that that is one of the positions that have been identified over the last 24 hours that we are in the market for. If we do bring one in, though, would you be looking to shell out uh, or move on, rather, Seagrist and or Bain? Um, well, do you think Joe Hart would stay around as a backup? I think I remember Kyo, no, not Kyogo, Joe Hart saying that one of well, what was it, his first club was Shrewsbury. So I think mm-hmm. in Joe Hart's ideal world, he'd love to end his career at Shrewsbury. I'm not a mind reader, I don't know Joe Hart's mindset, but I know his love for that football club. So I think if I don't think Joe Hart would settle for being backup, I think he'd go to Shrewsbury and play out the rest of his career there. So I think you would keep Segrist as backup. I would have Scott being nowhere near the starting berth for me anyway. Uh, I don't know how much you would spend on a goalkeeper for Celtic. Because um, goalkeepers are naturally quite cheap anyway. You can sort of pick them up for around five, six million pounds, which is a lot for Celtic. I mean, Levakovic, who was a World Cup quality goalkeeper, he was going for, what, about nine, ten million pounds. I would have loved Celtic to sign him. But my thinking is, is it too late in the window now to try and go out and get a goalkeeper? Because you only get one goalkeeper in the park and all the big teams will have sweeped up all the good goalkeepers that are on the market already. So it's going to be hard for Celtic to try and find a quality goalkeeper. But if there is one available on the market, there's no doubt that Celtic should go out and sign one. Do you think, uh, just what you're saying there about Joe Hart, because I've been saying all season consistently uh, this season on Axon that if I I sign any player, I want the the player that I bring in to either be an upgrade on what I've already got or certainly someone who is going to be challenging for the jersey. And I think one of the biggest issues uh, that we've had is we bought in a goalkeeper this time last season who was meant to be challenging our current goalie. We brought in a left-back who was meant to be challenging Greg Taylor 
And we brought in uh, during the season at centre half who was meant to be challenging that partnership of Carter Vickers and Starfield. And I think it's safe to say, even though you haven't given up on Burnaby yet, that all those players, Kobayashi, Burnaby and Segrist, um, have not worked out so far. Obviously, they're all still at the club. Um, and I think if we do sign a, a goalie, um, there's a question around another one of these ch- changes that have been made, and that is how the goalkeeper uses the ball at his feet. So it looks to me, watching the games, is that um, even up to the Ross County game, it was a Joe Hart of old. And by the way, I'm a massive fan of Joe Hart. I really am. I just think that he's been playing in a style under uh, Posta Coglu that finished his Man City career, and he's adapted as much as he can adapt. I don't think he can get any better with the ball at his feet, James. What we see is what we're always going to get from Joe Hart. So if you continually play that style of game, there are going to be moments over a season where he loses the ball, where he passes the ball and, and they, you know we lose possession, or you can basically just say, that was your fault, Joe. And that's happened a few times, obviously. So I think Brendan Rodgers has quickly realised that. And he's also realised that Joe Hart is the best option in goals for Celtic from all the goalies that we have. So what he's done is he's slightly changed the way that we use the ball from the back. And, that, and we've spoken about that. It's about clearing the ball. I've never seen so many clearances in the last two years as I have done in the last two games, whereby the ball is actually getting cleared from the danger area. We d- we simply didn't do that for two seasons. How do we change? If we do bring in a goalie, and he's obviously there to be challenging for the number one jersey, James, do we also change the style back to more of a focus on the goalie with the ball at his feet? I think... You've got to try and find a goalkeeper who's competent with the ball at his feet. I don't think, when you look at saying that goalkeeper, I don't think it needs to be a trade-off. You don't need to trade off being good with the ball at his feet for a phenomenal shortstop. You don't need to trade off um, being good with the ball at his feet and being terrible with trying to be a shortstopper. Um, you know, if you could try to find a balance like what we had with Fraser Forster, I mean, when we went out to sign Barkas, we went out to sign with the intention of having a goalkeeper good with the ball at his feet. And look where that goes. Now, I've seen Joe Hart to be a shortstop. He's a good shortstopper, but horrendous with the ball at his feet. If you can find someone who's just all right with the ball at his feet, I don't think there's going to be too much of an emphasis on that anyway in this Rodgers system, at least as much as what there was under Ange. But someone, just a really good shortstop, I think, is the main importance, especially if for European competitions, because... Celtic, the amount of shots on goal that we're going to be facing is going to be unprecedented. Um, the gulf and call it between the teams that we're going to be facing is going to be massive. So naturally, we're going to be on the back foot time and time and time again. So you need, to, like a Fraser Forster, a goalkeeper who can make a big sort of game-winning save, that a, game, a save that can keep you in a match, something like that. I don't think there's going to be too much of an emphasis on playing with the ball at the feet under Brendan Rodgers, though. Right. I mean, you you mentioned earlier on about this uh, leaked list, James, right? And I've actually pulled up the uh, Axom article on it. Uh, it was called Whatever Happened to the Leaked Document 12. So there was a dozen players on it. Reese James was on it. I think that was the guy you mentioned. Yeah, I um, remember mm-hmm. Tommy Smith. A Danish international called Zanka Fiayo Tamori was on it. Fiayo Tamori, um, he plays AC Milan there. All right, he's done all right. Um, uh, Romain. One of the best yeah. centre-backs on the planet. <laughs> well, let me have a look. At this time, he was 22 years of, of age. Um, yep, yeah, that's the boy. Um, Romain Perrault uh, was on it as well. He was shortlisted as a backup left-back. Um, 
Southampton last season. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we still had Kieran of course, um, and we had reinforcements who arrived in volleyball and golly. Remember him and Greg Taylor? Um, yeah, Joe Aribo was on it, like you said before. He was at Charlton at the time. Um, Rakim Harper uh, was a 19-year-old. Um, and Scott McTominay, whose name was linked with Celtic this was season Scott as well. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't actually on this list. But you know who was Brandon Barker. Uh, yep, Neil Mopé and Lisa Moussey. Yeah. Yes. So a mixed bag. I, I think it's safe to say, James, a mixed bag. Um, and how often would we be able to look at a shortlist and say, "Wow, I wish we'd signed him," and thank God we never signed that one. Um, Andrew, you've came in um, as I said earlier. We should use League Cup campaigns as a reward for our best three or four youth players, and blend them with the first team and let them have a crack at silverware. Um, I think we have played sometimes in the past. Um, shadow squads, I might even want to call it. Um, and when you look at the team that was playing Morton, for example, and they beat us one nothing. yeah, I know that Van Dyke and, and that was playing. But, you know, there, there was a few introductions, if you like, as well. So I think there's the, there's got to be a balance. You've got to introduce young players uh, in a, a situation where it's competitive enough but at the same time, you're maybe playing a game that you're thinking to yourself, I can give, I can confidently give the young player a half hour here if and when we wrap the game up. I think most of us are quite happy, James. Um, we're right back at the moment. I don't think there, there, there's an issue with that. But I'm going to ask you, because obviously we're talking about St. Johnston as well. Um, would you, if he's fit to play, would you just bring Johnston right back in at right back? Yeah, absolutely. That's He'll be starting consistently probably over the course of the season, barring any sort of major injuries. So I think Alistair Johnson, if he's fit, he's got to play. That's sort of as simple as that. I think that there will still be option, there'll still be opportunities for Anthony Ralston. though. Absolutely. He needs game time to be at his best. Whatever that is, they'll probably get half an hour at the end of this St. Johnson game. I mean, even 40 minutes, they'll give Alistair Johnson the time though from the start though. Right. And I think that gives us a boost, uh, Johnson coming in. Left-back, you've not written off Burnaby. I guess we're going into the St. Johnson game and we're not really expecting Brendan to revert back to inverted fullbacks. although you've said it's an option. Are you actually yeah, expecting him to do it? Just do you think thought. he'll do it? Just like me suggesting Kyogo playing behind my A.W. Yang and a bad analysis. It's one of 100 million thoughts we've brainstormed after a Celtic defeat, which we can all admit we all do. Well, you know this, right? It is a Celtic defeat. But if it was a Celtic defeat in a run of games where we've been excellent and everything seems to be working, I'm, I'm less concerned. I hate getting beat, no matter what, I hate getting beat. But I would be less concerned. I don't think we've seen the performances against Ross County and Aberdeen prior to the defeat, which is probably why, James, we're talking about all these permutations of things that could be solutions. And obviously, Brendan Rodgers and his management and coaching team will be doing exactly that behind the scenes as well. But at left back... Um, we might be surprised here. Are you going to reintroduce Bernabe? Would you bring in Bernabe for a game like this? You would? Yeah, I would. I think, as I've, I've mentioned how poor St. Johnson are, so if they do all of a sudden come out and beat us on Saturday, I will have the biggest egg on my face. But I think if you're going to take a chance, take a chance. Greg Taylor's been poor for a while now. And Bernabe was coming on a game, don't forget, in pre-season before he decided to sleep in and miss his alarm. And Brendan Rodgers has spoke highly of him in some of his media conferences. So, yeah, I'd give Bernabe a chance. 
Okay, there you go. There's the first change. Uh, second, actually. And when you look then at the central defensive partnership, th this is one of the big things. We talk about changes. Some of them have been implemented by Brendan Rodgers very much uh, through choice. And other times he's been faced with a situation or dilemma that he's basically just had to deal with, James. And one of those issues has been um, the central defensive partnership, which had been so successful for us over a period of two years. And Carl Starfield and Carter Vickers being broken up. Now, I know that we've already, obviously, we've still got Carter Vickers, but he's now injured. So you're taking one of the best elements, one of the strongest elements of that team, the whole structure of the team, and it's been removed. And we're basically now having to deal with that. Brendan Rodgers is having to deal with that. How's he dealt with it? Well, he's brought in two new centre-halves. But in the meantime, as I said, Carter Vickers is injured, as is Stephen Welsh. So we've now got a situation, as is Mike Novrovsky. So we've now got a situation where we have three centre-half options. And the first one is uh, your big pal, Gustav Lagerbjelk, who you met last week. Um, and we've also got Liam Scales, who played a few games during the pre-season. And I thought he was quite impressive, actually, during pre-season. Another one, of course, we've already mentioned is uh, Tomoki Awata, who I fancy more as a midfield player, but obviously he's played a lot more games at centre-half. Give me your central defensive partnership and your rationale behind it as well, James. My centre defensive partnership, I feel like I sort of backed myself up earlier on this show. I'd be going Lagerbjelk and Tomoki Iwata. That would, just based on the fact that I don't really want to play Liam Scales or um, I think Yuki Kobayashi's still injured. But I think the team we see on Saturday will be the closest thing to what team we'll send out at Ibrox on September 3rd. And if I'm thinking of what team I would send out there, Unless Cameron Carter-Vickers or Mike Navrowski is back from injury, there's got to be Lagerbjelk and Tomokiwata for me. I like your thinking because you're thinking uh, around Awata's stature physically, the fact that you know he can play with the ball at his feet. It's a similar um, dynamic to what yeah. made the centre-back partnership so successful and so dominant mm -hmm. for, that's what, two, two and a half years. I like it. Um, I'm going to have to change, now that we've got to the end of the defence, I'm going to have to change and, and give you what I'm Thinking at the moment, the reason I, I wouldn't play Awata at centre-half is because I'm playing him in the midfield, so we'll come to that in a wee second. But um, my team that I would play against St Johnson with Rangers, uh, obviously, in view would be Joe Hart. Now, with regards to the right-back, James, and I'll tell you what, why I'm thinking this, I want just as much experience as I possibly can because whatever you're going to be playing at centre-half is going to be an unknown partnership. I'm going to stick with Greg Taylor at left-back. Uh, I'm going to play with Tony Ralston at right back and yeah, the central. No, wait, not Alistair Johnson, sorry. I got Alistair Johnson right back. You've got Alistair Johnson, and I'm going to play my two centre halves are going to be at Lagerbjelk. And you know, if it wasn't Rangers coming up, I would say Scales. I would give Scales a game against St. Johnson domestically. I would have a look at him. I know that you watched him play for Aberdeen in person last season. You weren't impressed and you, you, it would actually give you the fear. It would give you the fear if he lined up against Rangers and in the Champions League. But my thinking is, Alistair Johnson can play centre-half. Now, I know you're against throwing him in there for his first game back, but I just think, play him centre-half alongside Lagerbjell. He's played there in his career, uh, very much like a He has played in that position. Um, and I just think that Hart uh, with Tony Ralston, Greg Taylor, Lagerbjell, 
and and Johnson is how I would set that up. Some people might be concerned at the shape of that. When you move in, uh, obviously, to the, the midfield positions, and that, that's not a position that has been quoted as being one that we're going to strengthen, James. How do you line up this uh, weekend? I know that you've had concerns about Carlin McGregor, the captain. I think there's uh, mitigating circumstances around it, which has highlighted his loss of form. But he plays, right? And who plays alongside him? What do you think? See, the midfield is, I mentioned it'll be where most of the thought from Brendan Rodgers will be going into. There's stuff to think about all over the park just based on the amount of injuries we actually have. And when you're looking a bit thin without real hitati there as far as sort of real known quality goes, because right now, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking the same midfield that struggled against Gilmarnock last week. Without being McGregor, Holman, O'Reilly. But if you're if you looking at the alternative options you have there, do you put in David Turnbull? He's not going to provide what was missing against against Kilmarnock. Sorry, do you throw in Quan? We've not really seen much of him apart from a shaky game in James Forrest's testimonial, which I don't know if that's the best sort of way to judge a player's talent. So perhaps Quan could come in for a game, but I think it would probably be... I'll, I'll, I'll give David Turnbull a start. He's not really known for having good games against Rangers. That's never been his sort of real forte. I don't think I can think of a good match he's had against Rangers. He has scored against them, though. I'll give him that. Yeah. But St. John's, they aren't really going to offer as much. They are going to set off as much like what I thought Kilmarnock would do in the first place. It would be really compact, very, they would sit back quite a lot. So you'd need a player like Turnbull to break. And Derek could probably have a similar game to what he had against Ross County. But I don't know if Turnbull's the man to play against Rangers. And if that's if you're looking at this game with the the game against Rangers in mind on September third, then perhaps Odin Holm starts. I can't I can't really nail down one midfield. I think I'll I'll go home McGregor O'Reilly. I've made my mind up. Okay, so you've switched a wee bit there for Turnbull at home, but I get that. I know you that you're a big fan of Odin Thiago home. I'm I'm gonna bring up some of the, the comments because obviously, as always, there are Plenty of people disagree with us, which is absolutely, you know, that's expected and welcomed. Um, scales must be given a chance, says Powerman1988. I think that um, I, I said there that I probably would have given him this game, James, if it wasn't Rangers just around the corner, uh, because I, I think that, like you say, this is a last chance to get it right before we go into the Glasgow derby. Um, so that's the, my reasons for not playing uh, Scales. Paul, Andrew Martin, I play Ralston at centre-back before AJ as he's better in the air. Um, that's your take on it. And AJSC Tech, agree with JP. Scales in this Saturday at left centre-back and a Wata in defensive mid release Callum to the eight-roll makes sense. Um, is AJ fit? Well, he's training. And there's a suggestion that yes, he will be involved. Last Friday. So he talked about a week, a week and a day of training. He would surely be fit. You would hope so, absolutely. Gerard Hackett, skills must start, deserves his opportunity. And uh, Joseph McGonagall, thank you for your contribution as well. Always uh, great to see your name popping up there. Awata at centre-back. No, 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 says Pete McGee. <laughs> um, based Pete, on, the only thing on... struggled against Pete was Curtis Main. And if, if a mind serves me correctly, I think Curtis Main isn't in the league anymore. So That's true. Where is he, he, where is he now? I think he's Where's... went back to England. 
Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. No, that was a strange game that caught us in bully in a water. Alongside in that game, was it Carl Starfelt? I'd need to go back it was, and check. Had a water and Ralston both on the right hand mm. side, and then mm-hmm. Ralston was still in poor form at this point. They, they were both getting absolutely flattened off Curtis Main. Yep, ragdolled, I think is the term. Um, we've also got Marquis, Christopher Julian, and Moritz Jens the same treatment over a few games. So Curtis Main just doesn't like Celtic defenders. He scored two that day, could have scored four. Mark E, Ralston, Lager, Scales, and Taylor um, is how you would go for it. And um, opinionated Glaswegian OG, overreactions all round, says. Opinionated Glaswegian uh, OG. Is that original gangster OG? I think it is, isn't it? Let us know in the comments field. Uh, we can afford three £10 million players to make an impact in Europe, says Jerry D. Imagine the impact. Everyone's up for it then. Are we serious about Europe? Um, I have long suggested that I would prefer less players of a higher calibre. I've said it time and time again. And I think that that can be supplemented by bringing in one or two young prospects who you can nurture uh, within the club, James. And I think we've done that particularly well over the years. But we've never really gone into a European campaign with the three or four big, big signings. I think last pre-season was maybe the closest we came when we went out there and we signed Carter Vickers and Jota, you know, in the same window. And it was massive. That was a massive investment for Celtic. I would rather sign four players of that ilk than 10 players, because it looks as though we're going to have 10 players in um, who would maybe cost you the same as the four. And I get that you've got to basically have a higher ratio uh, of successes that way, because if you're going to have that investment, it's got to work. We've been stung by a Yeti and Barkas. I think that we're all aware of that. And it's always a, a cautionary tale, you know, that throwing the money doesn't always give you the quality. Um, but I think mainly, you know, mainly when we spend big money, we do get quality. Even with regards to Julien, you know, the way his career ended, I think has kind of like muddied the waters a bit. Tell me this. I was yeah. probably the biggest Christopher Julian fan on Axel. <laughs> Yeah, he was a he was a great signing. I mean, when you look at the career that he had prior to colliding against that post against Dundee United, um, and it's easy, obviously, because you've got Some the primacy recency. Yeah, step up, lots of legs, um, games against Rangers. I mean, I remember the cup final, Ibrox in that season, and was the game I was thinking of particular. I think it might have been Julian's first or second game. He was absolute colossus. I think he got man of the match that day. Every single high ball that was coming in, he was always up there. And then yeah. the final, as you mentioned, but we saw the greatest knee slide of all time. The the worst thing about his performances was that celebration where he pretended that he was ripping open his Superman uh, top, his Clark oh. Kent suit to reveal Superman underneath. I was a big fan of that, but you know what? I'm, I'm picking holes here. Brian Welsh informs us that Curtis Main is now playing in India. Um, I, I, knew, I knew he'd left. I don't think he's gone that far away, though. Oh, and Coyle's over there. He's managing over there as well. Uh, well, at least Curtis Main can't. Yeah, um, I'd need to double check that actually. But yeah, he has returned to a team that he managed previously. Uh, Paul Andrew Martin, um, you throw somebody around like a wet tracksuit. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's what Curtis Main used to do with us. Uh, and that's that's the midfield then of James McKenzie. What do you make of that? My midfield. I don't know why there's criticism around O'Reilly. I think he started off really strong. No one was great against Kilmarnock. You gave your your uh, ratings on the site. No one was great, James. But I think that O'Reilly 
um, has started the season off really well and he is an absolute certainty to start against St Johnston. Carla McGregor, I'm not being overly critical. He's just not started the season off, but I think it's due to other factors rather than just his own form. And I think that we've seen Callum playing worse for Celtic over the years and he's always come through it and I trust that he will. It's not like he's over the hill. He's only 30. Um, and I would play a Wata. I think that with a new central defensive partnership, you need somebody to protect them in many, many ways. And I think also it frees up uh, McGregor uh, a wee bit more Get, let him play a wee bit more advanced. We don't need a double pivot in domestic games, generally speaking. So that would be my midfield. And your top three then, who are you playing uh, left wing, right wing and through the middle, James? Left wing, right wing, through the middle. Well, Kyogo, Maeda, and the big call for me is between Yang and Abada. I think I think I'll stick with Abada for now because, again, with the Rangers game in mind, Leo Abada's always going to get you a goal against Rangers. It's it's like destiny almost He's, he always performs well in those games and we'll hopefully see the raise the performance levels a bit I'd emphasise how important he would be this season and he's not really raised his game that much he's sort of just been steady over the course of the season which in the absence of Jota he's the sort of player that you need to be stepping up mm. in the sort of front three so yeah. I'd play a bad but I'd be wanting a better performance Again, from the beginning of the season, I think the three players that I highlighted that could really take it to another level, I think they've got it in them, uh, were, were Patate, Abada and O'Reilly. That's the three that I reckon could really step up for Celtic. Hatate, as well as the injury problems, uh, is in negotiations with uh, Celtic to sign a new contract. Abada apparently is also in negotiations with the club and O'Reilly seems quite settled even though there has been interest over the over the piece for all three players. I think that Abada needs to step up and as impressed as I have been with Yang, I'm not about to drop somebody like Abada, particularly with his record against Rangers. I do like him against Rangers. Um, so I'm going to stick with that. People might say I'm playing it safe, but it is Maeda, Abada. Would you not likely to drop Abada and Maeda out of the two wingers? Because a lot of the comments are saying they would, they would want Yang to come in. But I don't really see which one of the wingers I'm going to drop from. I think over the three games, we've got kind of got used to looking at some of the attributes that um, Maeda has in his game and what he brings to Celtic. And then it's easy to say, well, you can't drop him because of what he does. But actually, when you look at the, the performances of Maeda against Abada, I'd probably veer towards Abada. And I know that he didn't play well against Kelly, but not many of us did. I think uh, if I was going to drop a winger at the moment, it would be Maeda, but I do con- I've got concerns about Taylor behind him. Um, you know, if, if you're going to be playing somebody else in front of Taylor, it might affect him a wee bit and he's not playing well. So there's loads of moving parts to that. Um, but yeah, I want to see more of Yang. Martin is asking why we're not uh, giving stick to the captain. Well, I think the thing is, Martin, and you would actually drop him. I, I wouldn't. I think that that's one of the things that you've got to be very careful of when you're in not a crisis, but you're in an injury crisis and you're in a bit of a a sticky patch of form as a team, not just as a player. One of the worst things you can do is drop your captain because it's. I just think it looks like panic stations. It just looks like panic stations. And you, what you want is you want your captain to be your manager on the park. Um, he's the guy that, uh, you know, Brendan went, and, and met him for lunch in Mallorca, didn't he? Uh, prior to actually accepting the Celtic job, he trusts him um, so so highly, and I, I think we're going to get it through uh, this period together with Callum McGregor. I, I certainly would not be dropping him. Um, James Floyd released the bull against Rangers thirty yarder. Um, 
I just felt that, that Brendan was quite non-committal after Turnbull's good performance. You remember he got the man of the match first day of the season. I never heard um, Roger saying, you know, that's why I want to keep this player. You know, he just said, like, well, he knows what I need. He, if he, got the praise from Matt he got the praise from Matt O'Reilly. Yeah, he did. Um, and James uh, Love cannot be a Wata Ibrox. Well, I get what you mean in a central defensive uh, perspective, but I think he's played well against Rangers in midfield. I'd yeah, like I was going to say, why not? Why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, it will be interesting to see that uh, team line once it is revealed one hour before kickoff. We'll obviously be covering the game as we always do. Um, we're playing St. Johnston and we're hoping to get back into winning ways. Uh, we've obviously won 100% of our league games and long may that continue. Three or four players coming in before the window shuts. Let's hope that they do. And we will cover it all here on a Celtic state of mind. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. 1,200 strong at one point there on a Thursday afternoon. JP Mason is normally uh, sitting where uh, James is, figuratively speaking, that is not actually in the studio, but he is um, doing his full-time job in the music world, and I hope he's enjoying himself doing that today. Um, We'll welcome him back with open arms when he's back, able to speak about Celtic, as I know he loves to do that as well. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. If you want to vote for Axel, actually, in this year's awards, uh, we would more than happily go down to Liverpool, James and I, and anybody else in the Axon team who can get a night off uh, to pick up an award. If you want to vote for us, then all the details are underneath this video. Uh, you can click on it, vote for Axon in four different categories, and we would more than happy bring up a quadruple if uh, enough of you vote for us. So thanks very much for all your support. And thank you to James McKenzie for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.